Dad's podcast. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on ronanddonradio.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 472 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we got some letters, so we'll hit the mailbag. Also, we got to talk about Dave Ramsey, who is a very conservative investor. But a lot of people turn to him, especially when they've gotten themselves in trouble very young, especially when you're in credit card debt. So you may have heard his radio show. He's on over 600 radio stations around the country. And uh, he has said something very interesting about whether or not you and I should buy a house right now. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Looks like another NFL team is going to be for sale. And if you remember earlier in the year, the Denver Broncos were for sale. And then from out of nowhere, all of a sudden the Walton family shows up because they haven't made enough money in America yet. So, of course, you know the Waltons, they own Walmart. I don't know if you've ever read Sam Walton's book. I really like Sam Walton. I don't like his kids and his grandkids. I just don't. And if you look at the top 25 people in the United States and you look at their wealth, seven of the top 25 wealthiest people that have the last name of Walton. Here's the reason why, in my opinion, the Broncos wanted the Waltons. Because it used to be, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, the guy or the institution or the LLC with the most money could step in and uh, they could buy a football team. It's not that way anymore. Jeff Bezos has been trying to buy a football team for quite some time now, right? And you think if anyone could get a deal done when it comes to having a lot of money in your pocket. But all these guys now that are competing for these teams, they're all billionaires. Here's what the Waltons can do, though, for the NFL. Because, yeah, they make a lot of money, lots of money, when it comes to TV rights, but they make even more money when it comes to the licensing rights of all the NFL apparel that's out there, all that stuff that you and I buy. Uh, They found out a number of years ago that, hey, women like football too, and they don't want to wear a guy's jersey. Next thing you know, they have this woman's. And and so all these NFL teams, they share in this revenue together. And boy, wouldn't it be great to have all your merchandise if you're in the NFL, not only in Walmarts all around the country and all around the world, but also online. That's why I think the NFL, they picked them. At the same time, you have someone like Jay-Z going, hey, I'm a billionaire. I can afford a team. I can put a team of people together. And there's been no interest in that. Now they're talking about the Washington Commanders being for sale. And Ron, Jeff Bezos' name is coming up again. And I think when it comes down to it, He's a billionaire that has a lot of leverage, and like the Waltons, he can put NFL merchandise in a lot of places and make a lot of money for all these owners. What say you? Well, he already has. Like Amazon, you can buy anything with the NFL logo on it. He paid an incredible amount of money to get the Thursday Night Football 
package exclusively. NFL already likes that. They see the future of the league is in streaming and in gambling. Because Thursday and, nights and so have done really well. That now they put it on that you Amazon. You have to platform, watch it on Amazon Prime. It's done very well. Eighteen to forty nine. They have numbers right now that they are seeing on Thursday night that they aren't seeing on Saturday, Sundays, or Mondays with with a younger crowd. Yeah, that, because that's watching mo- the product. A lot of those younger people don't have traditional cable packages. They have streaming, and so they're able to watch it. And when it's available, they they do watch it. The other thing that's the X factor. He owns the Washington Post. Um, and if you remember that deal several year, years ago, uh, and, and I, I actually believe Jeff Bezos on this. He grew, I believe he's from Virginia, uh, venerated the Washington Post, and he saw that it was, you know, the media landscape has changed in, in, in large part to people like him, to the digital space crushed physical newspapers. And he stepped in. I think he really, his childhood grew up loving the Washington Post and was like, hey, it really it's 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 a lot of money, but not by my standards. I'm gonna come in, buy this paper, um, kind of be arm's length. Like I'm not gonna run it like Rupert Murdoch runs it. Like let them still be the Washington Post. So I think his ties to that area from uh, his just heritage of where he grew up, the fact that he owns the uh, the newspaper in town and also has some of the deepest pockets in the world, and then this streaming uh, uh, franchise taking Thursday Night Football, I think the other NFL owners want him in and they want Dan Snyder out. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't try to force that sale. The thing is, is the price has been ratcheting up and up and up. Dan Snyder is going to want to be uh the most ever like to, f- for him to sell it needs to be the most amount of money ever spent on a professional team You're in america seven billion right and 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 the the waltons and the, and the broncos are 4.8 billion but he didn't even know the name of the commissioner like he called him roger goodell <laughs> so like the guy from walmart doesn't know anything about football right. that's why he brought in condoleezza rice because uh, Condoleezza Rice is his football brain, uh, which was smart to do. But I, I, I agree with you that it would be, it would behoove the league, in my opinion, to bring in someone like a Jay Z, not necessarily Jay Z specifically, but someone like a Jay Z that's more pop culture, has the you know is is African American. Like I, I would prefer that. But the thirty one other owners, they are enamored with billionaires. They love the billionaire set. That's what they all aspire to be. That's the playing field in the sandbox that they want to be in. And so they don't want to be in the hip hop apparel game. They want to be in the Jeff Bezos game. Yeah. So, so let's bring it on home Seahawks. I haven't seen Paul Allen's will, but they said that the team when it's sold is to stay here in Seattle and, and the profits from the team being sold that those profits should be philanthropic. Uh, that was very important to Paul. And and that's no BS. If you, I didn't know Paul, but I know I'm, I'm close to two people that work with Paul. Uh, and when he knew that he was dying, that's when he did a lot away with a lot of boards. He put together a really tight team. They'd get up every day wherever he was in the world and sometimes is in a hospital bed. And they would look at uh, their screens together and just decide, okay, what what are we doing today? What are we doing that's philanthropic to make the world a better place? It's interesting. You hear Pete Carroll now talking about Jody, Jody Allen, Paul's sister, who is in now, who now is in control of the team. They they say that there's no plans to sell the team anytime soon. 
and that Pete Carroll, and, and nobody asked him about Jody in his last press, press conference, he's bringing her up a lot and, and really embracing her. What do you think is happening here? Are we, we going to look 10, 20 years down the road and Jody Allen still owns the Seattle Seahawks? Wouldn't surprise me. I, I think, she, and this is just speculation on my part, I think she it was overwhelming. You know, when you think about all the tentacles that Paul Allen had in the universe and he, he was not married and Jody was, you know, his right-hand person in a lot of businesses and then uh, he passes away. So you're grieving the death of your brother. Uh, and then all of these properties and these institutions and these different things, the spotlight now comes off of Paul Allen and goes to you. And let's not forget, he had some pretty good mental horsepower. Like Paul Allen was no dummy. And, and so the, the bandwidth that he had and the way that he thought about the world, like in my mind, not many people could have jumped from Microsoft when he did yeah. and just say, uh, you know, set his ego aside and hand things over to Balmer uh, and and to Bill Gates. Like that, that I think doesn't get enough praise of like his second act of getting out at the right time in a sense, and then pivoting to all the stuff that he did. I, I walk by the Paul Allen uh, Brain Institute a couple times a week, and they are if you literally decoding the human brain in that building to help with stuff that killed Paul Allen and kills a lot of his mom kills a lot of people every year. So it's like he, he put his money into some interesting things. So to bring it back home, I think Jody Allen for that first phase, when we heard, Oh, she's going to sell it's like, dude, she's got the Seahawks are not even in probably the top 10 most important things to her. Well, I disagree. I think they're pretty important. Now they are. If it's a seven billion dollar team, at that, the time, at the time when Paul Allen died, I don't think it was even on her radar screen. I think she was thinking about losing her brother, um, what it meant to their family, and then she had to look at stuff like the Brain Institute, um, look at all the real. The, the I think that she enjoys the real estate part of it more than the football part of it. So Vulcan ventures, look at all of that stuff, all of these assets around the world, there's yachts and planes and museums and all that stuff. I think that she was more focused on those enterprises and it's like, okay, I'll figure out these sports franchises. Like that was Paul yeah. and my dad. That yeah. wasn't me. I had a really surreal, a, a number of years ago and, and my friend George and I shared tickets together for the Seahawks. And I was reading Paul Allen's last book at the time, and and it's a really short, quick read, you guys. And it's not it's not like reading something that Bill Gates wrote. Is that idea man, is that Paul, what? Yeah, mean? Paul Allen wrote it for the rest of us. And and really, he wanted to be on. And this is when he knew he was dying. He wanted to be on record about the ideas and the good things that he's done. And also, he took some credit in the book for for some things that didn't work out so well. It's a really good. It, it, it's an excellent read. And he and he talks about his relationship with Bill Gates. And with Microsoft, and and how basically, in a lot of ways, uh, because of Balmer, he became the third person there. But when you look at the way that Microsoft was created, he was never the third person ever. Uh, and should it, so it was really important for him to write this book. I'm at a game, and I'm sitting there, right, and and I think we're playing Philadelphia at the time. And Nick Foles down, and he can't hear. And the reason he can't hear is because of the stadium that Paul Allen created. And the reason he created this Paul Allen, he created the stadium this way. If, if you ever have any time, and it always blows people's minds when we go out on a boat 
and we'll look at uh, where the University of Washington plays. And I say, look at that stadium. And then the next time you're at Seahawks Stadium, take a good look at that stadium. It's the same stadium. In fact, the Seahawks Stadium sits, it, it, it is the smallest stadium in the NFL because of where they had to wedge it in down uh, in that area, uh, down uh, where the kingdom uh, exploded and imploded. So he, he made sure, because initially what he wanted to do was restore that stadium where he grew up and his dad and he would go to the stadium and they watch the Washington Huskies play. He wanted to restore that. And when Mountain Lake people around there said, no, we're not interested, because uh, he's going to restore it and have the Seahawks play there on Sunday. And they did that, if you remember, for a couple of years. So, so they pivoted down here. So I'm sitting in the stadium that is so damn loud uh, because of the stadium that he created. I'm reading his book, and then I get a text message saying that his company has located the last ship. There were 414 ships that went down uh, that were connected to the U.S. during World War II. And the last ship to go down was taken down by a Japanese sub, number 414. And what's interesting, this sub had never taken down a ship before. It was the USS Indy. And this was a ship that would transport the two bombs from the Manhattan Project over to Japan. Those those, uh, bombs would get dropped. And then as the USS Indy was heading back to port, it was sunk. And then if you ever have a chance to read that book, you find out what happened. In to harm's these way. Yeah, in harm's way. It's a great book. And we've interviewed uh, the author as well. That's mind-blowing. You're sitting there in a stadium he created with a team that he owns. You're reading a book about the things that he has done. And, and, and then his, his company at the same time on this Sunday afternoon has found the USS Indy, and they've decided to not let anyone know exactly where it's at. It's in 28,000 feet of water. We know that because he feels like um, it's a graveyard and nobody has any business going down there. Anyway, Paul Allen, pretty extraordinary guy. I wonder if someone like Jeff Bezos could keep up with that. Anyway, we'll see you on the other side of there. Hey, it's Ronnie Don here for our partners for over a decade, Les Schwab. And you know what? Winter is on the way. I hate to say that, but winter is on the way. It might not feel like it right now. It is right around the corner. So if you have designs like I do, I bought my Epic Pass. I want to go skiing this year. You've got to make sure your tires are on point. And that's what Les Schwab is all about. So right now they're doing their fall tire sale. You can save up to $200 on a set of four select tires with Les Schwab financing just in time for winter driving. Schedule your appointment right now online at LesSchwab.com. That's Les Schwab Tires, where they've been doing the right thing since 1952. When the Martin family wanted to buy a house in Seattle for their son, Connor, after he got out of college, they turned to Ron and Don. Sent a message in their little portal. Got a message back within about five minutes from Don, and he set up a phone conference for about a half hour later. About two days later, we were out touring houses with him. Before they started working with Ron and Don, the Martins kept getting outbid. They just didn't realize how competitive the market is, but the guys worked tirelessly to find them the right house and then came up with a winning strategy to get it. See, if we go in at this amount, we think we can we think we think can jump ahead and have people close before uh, they intended to. And sure enough, it worked out. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. And now their son has the perfect place for him and his two dogs, and the Martins say they couldn't have been more impressed with Ron and Don. I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, 
said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. It, they seemed very enthused for, uh, you know, a deal to get done and for us to be successful. And that felt really good. They were passionate and they, they were just honest and straightforward. And uh, no, everything's great. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend it. And if you're ready to buy like the Martins or sell, your journey starts with a Ron and Don sit down at ronanddon.com. Listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Dave Ramsey, if you've ever listened to him, pretty conservative talk show host, uh, evangelical Christian, uh, really seems to walk and talk his walk and talk. And he does a night show that you may have heard around America where people just call in and they say, hey, Dave, this is what's going on. This is what's happening with the house, my credit cards. And he, he he really coaches a lot of younger couples and has a lot of good books out there and younger partners that have gone out early in life. And we've all done this where you used your credit card for some dumb reason. And then you get to find out about 36.7% interest and the way that that starts compounding against you. I bought a watch from Foley's when I was 18 and I wasn't in a van down by the river. I think that watch cost me $9,000. It was a $900 watch, and I think I paid for that watch over the next decade. The good news was, though, it can help build your credit, so, so you can the, look at it that way. And then Dave Ramsey does this. I think it's called Financial Freedom University, and he, he like you can get uh, accredited by his company and run this university, in air quotes, uh-huh. of uh, like how to become debt-free. Yep. He, he's really helped a lot of people become debt-free, but he's very... It's 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 very strict. He has a thing called beans and rice where it's like, okay, uh, sell the car. Like you don't deserve to own that car. Get another job. You know, deliver pizzas on the side. You're gonna be on beans and rice for the next nine months, and we're gonna get this debt paid off. And if people subscribe to him, in a sense, if they have buy-in, then you hear him. Part of his show is he'll take people that are trouble cases in the first half of the show. And then many times he'll have a success story that calls in and says, Hey, two years ago, I was 50 grand in debt. Uh, we were going through a divorce. Here's what I did. I sold the car. I delivered pizzas. I did beans and rice. It's now 13 months later and I am debt free. And so he'll celebrate with people. They like to call in, uh, when they they send in that last payment to the credit card company and they all celebrate together and say, I'm sending the check in right now, Dave, and I'm debt free. That's awesome. And they all, and it's, it's, it's really charming and, and inspiring to hear. And then you become debt, debt free. So you can start building wealth. And, 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 and part of that wealth sometimes is buying real estate. And he has come out this week and said something very interesting. A lot of people in a market like this, they want to wait to see where the market tanks or craters and then they want to buy. So they want to wait, and then they want to buy. He is saying, no, in this marketplace right now, you should buy, and then you should wait and hang on to it after you buy. It's called being a buy and hold seller. Why do you think Dave is telling people to buy right now? Buy and hold investor. Uh, I think he's he's seeing what we talk about, which is this is not the financial crisis of 2009. That where you had all these collateralized debt obligations and, and you go watch the movie, The Big Short, uh, where there were fundamental problems and out and out fraud happening in the housing market that caused that, that, uh, the great recession back in 2009, that is not what is happening now. 
This is a global pandemic inflation situation that was exacerbated uh, in some part by oil and by Vladimir Putin and 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 by you know m- uh, over a million people dying of of uh, COVID. That is a very different situation. So he's saying look, the housing is not fundamentally flawed like it was before. And, you know, to, to quote another wealthy guy, Warren Buffett always says, when, when the market is afraid, that's when you be greedy. And when the market is greedy, that's when you be afraid. And so that's his axiom of like, yes, this is not the time to be fearful. This is the time to be bold. And, and Dave Ramsey's echoing that saying, be bold. Buy the house now with no competition. Your interest rate's going to be higher than it was a year ago, but then you can refinance. But you bought the house and the appreciation, and the appreciation is going to come storming back. So, uh, Ron and I have been looking at buying a house together in a market like this. We will not be living there together. Yeah, and I would, (laughs) I I would say this house is about five hundred grand. It's a, it's it's an expensive house, expensive piece of real estate, but it's a great piece of real estate. This house is about five hundred grand back of where it would have been in the peak. And I'm not saying in buying this house that that appreciation comes back tomorrow, but that appreciation, it's not going to take 10 years for that appreciation for that 500 grand to start storming back. And so what we want to do is capture that appreciation on its way back up, right? And then we get a tax break and we get tax incentives because it's an investment property. So we also get a break for depreciation. We get appreciation, right? We get appreciation. And then I think that Ron and I together have figured out a way to make this property cash flow. And then what we're going to do is when interest rates come down and they say they'll probably come down in the fourth quarter of 2023, what are we going to do? Yeah, then you refinance. That, that just becomes a math problem. And, and it's always interesting to me, and, and maybe you've had this happen in your life because it's definitely happened with mine. You make a move that you feel like is going to really stretch you and you don't really know how you're going to put it together. And then if you're bold enough to do that move, you figure it out and that becomes your new normal. Like, oh my God, where's this extra $400 a month going to come from? How, how am I going to make this work? And then you do it and sort of, uh, you know, you figure it out. It's like, okay, I've figured this out. I'm not going to, you know, back in the day, we would go out to eat a couple times or I had this hobby of whatever your hobby was. And I guess I'm, I don't do that as much or, you know, the, the proverbial buying a latte every day. You figure out a way to make it work and your life expands a little bit and you, you reach that different normal and, and that will happen for you. And uh, I don't know. I, I was excited to hear Dave Ramsey do that. And, and I hope that like I, 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 this is literally for me, not like a sales push. Like I'm not hammering people uh, in a salesy way. I hope like this really is the time. Like it if is, you, yeah. if you don't follow this stuff closely, uh, this is not a sales pitch. Like it, there were so many people that got bruised and battered uh, by the market when it was going just gangbusters, and they missed out on these huge escalation prices uh, and did not get into the neighborhood they wanted or the school district they wanted or the home that they wanted. Now is the time. Like this really, really, truly is the time. Uh, go out and do some. Listen to Dave Ramsey. Listen to Ron and Don. Like this is the time for you to buy. And you're gonna the people that don't do it right now i think you're gonna look back uh two years from now three years ago god i should have listened to ron and on 
I, I rolled my eyes at them. I thought they were being uh, hyperbolic. I thought that, you know, uh, I was smarter than the market and I would wait for interest rates to drop. Now I can't afford to get in in the same way I couldn't afford to get in then. Like you, you will be kicking yourself if you're thinking, Oh, I'm smarter than these guys. I'm just going to wait. And as soon as those interest rates drop down, I'm going to jump back in. Everybody's doing that. Everybody's going to jump back in. Everybody's going to jump back in. Yeah, there'll still be a shortage of housing. And and yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. So like email me. Let's be a buyer. Be a buyer when everyone else is being scared. You will not regret it later. I'm telling you, you will not regret it later. All right, letters on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, I'm sitting here with Mitch Weeks right now, one of the great sponsors of the Ron and Don Show. He is a mortgage broker, and you can find out more about him at Mitch.loans. Hey, a really cool time to be creative when it comes to being a buyer, and there's sellers right now that are stepping up and saying, let me help the buyer by doing something called a buy-down, right? Yeah, they are. And it's one of those things that's beneficial for both sides. Sellers give money up front for the buyers to buy down their rate and save money for the life of the loan. It's a really creative solution, really working for a lot of people. Yeah, there's also something called a 2-1. What's a 2-1? A 2-1 is where you get your rate bought down 2% for the first year, 1% for the second year, and then after that, you're home free in your current rate. But it's great savings up front, and then you have a chance to refi over the next two years. Yeah, good news, good time to be a buyer, good time for sellers to be creative and help that buyer. And Mitch, you can help everyone. Uh, how do people reach out? Go to Mitch.loans, set up a meeting, and let's figure out a creative solution for you. All right, you guys, welcome back. Let's get to letters. If you want to reach out to us, run it on sitdown.com. You can send us a note. Uh, if you want to sit down about real estate, great. And if you just want to send us a note, get signed up for the newsletter. And that way we can stay in touch with each other. Letter number one comes from Kara. Kara worked at Fly Homes, just got let go at Fly Homes. Uh, and she's looking to go maybe go to a place like Redfin. And she, again, in just getting her real estate license, she said, is this a good time to be entering the real estate market? And Ron, I don't know if there's ever a good time or a bad time because as soon as we entered the real estate market, and granted, we had been buying and selling homes for a long time, so we understood homes, but actually understanding the, the contractual side of real estate, we were entering a pandemic. So a lot of people would have told us, hell no. And at the same time, it, it, it's been great for us because we built a business. And what I would tell Kara is, when you're working for a Fly Homes or a Redfin, you're building their business, not your business. And you've placed yourself in a situation where you're using that license to benefit them. But when times got tough, you got kicked to the curb. Ron, that's why it's really important for Kara if she's going to work in this real estate sphere to make sure, even if you work for a Windermere or you work for a Fly Homes or a Redfin, whoever it is, Take that time to learn from other realtors the real the real business. And Ron has gotten really great at understanding the contractual side of the business. But you also have to take the time to build that business at the same time. And when you're just working for a Fly Homes or or, or, or Redfin, you're not building a business. I thought so. we talked about this where you're going to say, my managing broker, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm a managing broker. My managing broker. That's right. Cool. No, I think that that's fair. And and I just, uh, Mitch, who does the spots on this thing, just asked me a couple of weeks ago to sit on this panel to talk about social media in real estate, similar to this. And it was a room full packed with, with agents. 
And I, I tried to bring it back to what you're saying here. It's like, yes, there's all of these shiny objects in a sense of like, oh, this platform, we got Redfin and the app and da-da-da, or Fly Homes, and we're going to do these creative things with financing, or look at this social media. There's all these things. Those are not the business. Those are part of a business, but it's not the business. And so what is the business? And that that's really the, the billion-dollar question. The million-dollar question is like, what are we going to do uh, to have clients do transactions and have happy people on the end. Uh, like that's really the way I think about it is like, we are in the people happy business. Uh, and sometimes it's the people sad business. Sometimes there's a life event that is not happy and you come in and try to make a good situation out of it. We had a couple of transactions this year that the, the personal stories were very sad. Um, and people though, trusted us they thought wow i need someone i can trust this is emotionally really hard right now who who is that person and they thought of of you and me which made me very honored yeah. uh, to jump in there and so what is your business your business is not all these shiny objects your business to me is uh, i'm gonna be in the business of people meeting them where they're at and helping them get to a different phase and that takes some expertise, but it also takes some know-how, like you said, in the, in the technical aspects. Yeah, and, and and nobody prepares you to walk into a place uh, like we did a number of times this year, and somebody had committed suicide there, uh, and 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 nobody prepares you to walk in somewhere where someone is mourning the loss of a partner that they lost, and now here they are sitting with all their partner's stuff, and they're paralyzed, and they don't know what to do. Uh, it was the hardest, some of the hardest things we faced this year, but we faced them together. And it's also some of my proudest moments as a, as a realtor, but also as a human. Uh, and this letter makes us uh, pretty proud too. This is from a young man by the name of Aaron LaPointe. I'm just going to read this real quick. This will be our last letter, and then we'll get out of here. It says, hi, guys. Hi, Ron and Don. This message is not about real estate. I'm sorry if this isn't the right way to reach out. It totally is. RonandDonSitdown.com. You can write us about anything, you guys. He said, I want to share a story with you. This is the story of my dad, me, and you guys. I remember listening to you guys on Cairo since I was about 12. That would be the age of my son now, right? My dad was an avid listener, tuning in every day because he absolutely loved your show. And the truth is... In my mind, you guys were as fixed to our life as much as a distant family member uh, would be. He and I would sit together. Uh, in fact, we listened to your last day on air. And we heard the time slot change come over the airways. And we looked at each other puzzled, thinking maybe you guys got moved to a different time. Needless to say, we followed you with the podcast. We've been faithful listeners of this ever since the beginning of the podcast. Isn't that great? Almost 500 episodes now. Unbelievable. Anyway, I'm not 12 years old anymore. You guys have been with me as I've turned into a young man. Now I'm 26 with a family of my own. More importantly, you were with my father recently during a very challenging time of his life, and you guys had no idea. About a year and a half ago, my father became mildly ill with a sickness they couldn't find the cause of. This slowly worsened to the point where he ended up having over 30 blood transfusions. However, he finally started showing improvement, going to the summer, still making sure to listen to Ron and Don every time a new podcast came out. We'd all sit together while he needed to rest, and we'd listen to your show. 
Well, I began to improve and his spirits looked up. He pointed at me one day and he's always said he wanted to meet you guys and hang out. He was a typical guy I think you guys would have enjoyed. He loved the water. He loved primetime uh, Seattle of the 90s. He loved classic rock. Uh, he loved crab. He loved taking in the beautiful Pacific Northwest sunshine. However, his life would have it in July without warning and unexpectedly, his body gave out. And he turned uh, and he was given uh, basically nine months to live. We were both devastated and we felt robbed. Two weeks following this news, he had a fall. He was admitted to the hospital where they gave him days, uh, maybe weeks left to live. We felt robbed again. Nonetheless, we continued to listen to you guys and talk about all the topics covered as they would spark conversation with him and I in these moments uh, when he was lucid. Finally, on July 18th at 10 a.m., at the age of 54, my dad passed away. I felt robbed for a third time and will for the rest of my life. He was truly a wonderful and blessed guy. And at 26, I'm not sure how I'll get through the rest of my life without him. But as I begin to look back and measure what you guys have been around, uh, and it really encapsulates, encapsulates the majority of my life growing up with him, listening to you guys on our boat when you were still on Cairo just days before he's passed, you two have been there for it all. And without even knowing, uh, you guys are really an absent witness to the creation of a bond uh, between my father and I that can never be broken. As I finish this message now with tears in my eyes, as I remember the four of us together, all I can say is thank you. Thank you for being one of our constants. Thank you for being my dad's friend through everything. It meant more than you will ever know. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Don. And that's from Aaron LaPointe. And he said, feel free to share this message. Yeah, that was, um, thank you for sending that because I, I would have loved to have hung out with your dad on the boat and uh, caught some crabs and pulled up those crab pots. Um, and, and it's difficult to know how you've intersected with people's lives and it's difficult to think back to a 12-year-old being forced to listen to us back in the day and sort of growing up with that. And it's sort of being part of the fabric, being part of the wallpaper, part of the scenery, if you will. So I'm really grateful for that email and sorry for, your, for the loss of your dad. Yeah. And you know what I really appreciate about this, Aaron? A lot of times when we do, when we do these things, uh, especially when you're, when you're in broadcast and, and a lot of my friends that that do radio would probably share this with you. You hear from people when they're really angry at you or when they disagree, uh, or you've said something and they want to burn the building down. Uh, you, you, you get a lot of hate and vitriol, but Ron and I have been really lucky over the years to hear from, from people like Aaron. Uh, and it's really these letters and a lot of them that, that paint us as good guys, we don't, we don't read a lot of those because I don't think people find that interesting to hear that somebody thinks I'm neat. But, but a letter like this is really touching to know that we got to walk through you know, over a decade of your life with you and your dad and that connection and that bond. That's the exact same way I felt growing up when I listened to Larry Lujak. That's why I wanted to be in radio. I listened to him in places like The Loop and WLS is going to make me rich, WMAQ in Chicago. Uh, and then even New Mexico, listen to 77 KOB, the voice of the great uh, Southwest, the mouth of the South down in New Orleans, the big eight, seven, all that KOA radio. And I, I could go on and on about all the people that I listened to and I, and I felt this connection with over the years. So I am deeply moved and deeply grateful 
And if you, Aaron LaPointe, and your dad are the only one listening to this podcast today, and the statistics tell us it's a lot more than you guys, uh, I think we'd still keep doing it because we're very, very appreciative. And I just tell people, don't forget, if there are people in your life, and I don't mean necessarily broadcasters, but people you really love and care about, funerals are so dumb because we tell people how we feel about them after they're no longer around. I don't get that, right? Is, 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 is we look back at this pandemic, I think, I think it has taught us one thing to really live in the moment in an authentic way as best we can. And to really let the people around us know that have had an impact in our lives, how important they are to us, how much we love and care for them. So I really appreciate this note today. And I know that Ron does too. And Ron, thanks for blowing it up so I could actually read it. You're welcome. See the words. The biggest font I could. <laughs> so it took 17 pages of paper. <laughs> hey, um, and I think on that note, if you want to reach out to us uh, and join us in our new venture, we're not the guys on the radio anymore. We are now your realtors and we do a podcast. Uh, let's plan for 2023. Let's make a family memory. Like I think of him saying, now I'm a, I'm a family man myself. I have a wife. I have kids. Uh, maybe you're in that spot where it's like, I need, I need a bigger place. My family is growing. Or maybe you're having a parent that's going to move in with you. Your life circumstances changed. And uh, 2023 is going to be your year. Let's not just be the guy you hear a voice on the radio, but let's get involved with each other and uh, make that dream a reality. Well said, Ron. Hey, you guys, head up, shoulders back. You listen to the Ron and Don Show. All right, on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.